this is totally useless information with Nick and Roy. Listen, laugh, and learn. Today on the show, we will introduce a brand new topic, cars, plus geography, expressions, and a little bit of history. Plus, news from around the world, and we'll open up the mailbag. Totally useless information. It's everything you never needed to know. This is Totally Useless Vehicle Information with Nick, Meet Meet, and Roy. <laughs> kind of glad I'm vroom vroom. Yeah. So, so when the lovely lady recorded it, she said, I, I, I see you more of a meet meet and Roy is a vroom vroom. I said, well, go for it. And she did. So thank you. <laughs> so I'm a meet meet. Okay, sure. Thank you very much. So yeah, brand new topic. And you can email us, nickandroy.com. Contact us and you can suggest any topic you want. And we want to thank you for all of your feedback. So when was the first speeding ticket issued? 1902, the driver was driving a whopping 10 miles per hour. Wow, speed racer. And fined with $10. The speeding ticket was issued after the first death of a car crash. So it was fatal, unfortunately. Oh. Yeah, so 10 miles an hour, $10. 1902. What the hell kind of crash was it where they died at 10 miles an hour? How fast were they walking? <laughs> My bike does more than that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But then again, you have to wear a helmet with that, which I don't do. Uh-oh. Well, yeah. That, that, that explains a lot, but go on. <laughs> no, of course I do. And we uh, suggest all listeners to wear a helmet while biking. <laughs> Thank you to the legal team. At, yes. uh, totally uses <laughs> The first car was invented by Carl Benz. Then again, now think about it. Mercedes Benz. Ah. Well, Carl Benz invented the first car in 1885. The top speed was 16 kilometers. Nick, how many miles per hour would that be? Let me do the math. I have to take off my shoes and socks. No, roughly 16 kilometers. It's 10. Okay, so he'd get a speeding ticket. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's almost 10, so he almost got a speeding ticket. Yeah, <laughs> not no, quite. But he invented it in 1885. It had a top speed of 16 kilometers or 10 miles an hour. He had it had a one cylinder engine in it, literally a one cylinder engine. It was like a kind of like a weed whacker, I would think, yeah. <laughs> with wheels attached to it. And it was called the Benz Motorwagen. One day, throw it around Liechtenstein. <laughs> <laughs> With Heidi Klum at the wheel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, and because we were driving it, it, we have a spare tire. We have a dashboard in our car, right? You know, we, it's referred to as a Maybe dashboard. you do. <laughs> we do. But the original dashboard was a piece of wood that was fastened in front of a horse-drawn carriage that prevented mud from hitting the driver. And it was a board. This dashboard. Dashboard. Board. There you go. Wow. 80% of the average car is recycled. I found this to be really interesting. 80% of an average car is recycled. In fact, auto recycling is the 16th largest industry in the United States. That's amazing. So more That's amazing considering that the steel industry, the farming industry, the coal industry, the 16th largest industry is recycling automobiles. 
Wow, how many cars does someone go in a lifetime? That's recycling. It's a different kind of recycling. So you I'm just pissed off because I'm paying for the same car over again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's called car payments, yes. Right, it's 80%, so I should only be paying for 20% of my next new car. <laughs> exactly. You know, I don't make my car payments. You know what happens is they, they send me a, a letter, a really nice letter. They compliment me. They say, your bill is outstanding. I'm like, thank you. Thanks mm-hmm. for the compliment. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy with our brand new topic, cars. Uh, the most people crammed in a smart car was 20. It was a cheap. 20. Was 20. Smart, I know somebody smart, that owned the smart car. Really? How many yes. people did they have in the smart car? Uh, it, actually, they only had themselves in the smart car and possibly another passenger because that thing is so small. There's nothing smart about that car. But it was made by uh, Mercedes-Benz. I That's believe. right. It's all connected. It was achieved by the Glendale cheerleading team and set a Guinness. <laughs> I know that's where I'm going. And set a Guinness World Records Gone Wild record at the uh, Staples Center in Los Angeles on September 28, 2011. So only ten years. Wait ago. Wait a second. Uh, wasn't it in 2011 when you were trying to join that cheerleading team? That's right. <laughs> I didn't have I didn't have the legs for it. <laughs> Nick's like I was the one in the middle. <laughs> yeah, but you know you have to be really careful. You have to be strategic where the where the um, shift gear is. Yes, you can send your complaints to nickandroy.com. Contact us. Almost sixty five percent of the world's population drives on the right side of the road. The rest are just wrong. No, 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 no. No, really. 65% of the world's population drives on the right side of the road and on a uh, left-handed drive. Right. (laughs) So I'm left-handed. Would would I be confused on the right side or the left side, I wonder? I I, honestly, I think you're confused most of the time. So (laughs) So it has nothing to do with me being left-handed. Is that what you're saying? Your driving is impaired no matter what. <laughs> with not a drop and you're of getting alcohol. a ticket. <laughs> so uh, as you're listening to us, uh, totally useless information with Nick and Roy, we really appreciate you listening to us on any device, including your car radio, right? Because you you connect your phone to your car radio. For many mm-hmm. drivers, flipping on the radio is nearly as instinctive as powering up the engine or you know, adjusting the temperature and whatnot. But car radios weren't always so widely embraced. In the early days of the car radio, some safety-minded legislatures wanted to ban car radios for being too distracting and dangerous for drivers. But they couldn't get the message out? No, they couldn't. Because <laughs> they were distracted. <laughs> no, they couldn't get the message out. There were no radios. <laughs> so you're thinking, well, what idiot, what, you know, what accident-prone idiot came up with this idea? Well, it was Paul Galvin. He's credited as the man who first recognized the potential of the car radio and capitalized upon Americans' fascination with radio for motor vehicles while on the go. What was his name? Paul Galvin. Cool. Yeah, Yeah, so Paul Galvin. And around the same time, Galvin and his brother started a manufacturing company in Chicago to enable home radios to operate on household current instead of batteries. Ah, see, that was smart. So Galvin had it all going on with the radio. Here's another stupid alert. In in 2013, a study was found that a study was done. Okay, let's try that again. Sure. Okay, here's a stupid alert. In 2013. I'm sorry, were you distracted by your car radio? I was just distracted by myself. (laughs) Not the first time. Go on. (laughs) So in 2013, a study was done that found that white is clearly the number one color for vehicles. What color is your car, Nick? It's a charcoal. 
It is a charcoal. I yeah. have a gray car as well, but my wife is driving a white car, and I had a white car before that, and she had a white car before that, so we clearly had a lot more white cars. All right. But anyway, white is the number one color for vehicles across the world. Then they also found out that white is also 10% less likely to get in an accident and mainstream colors are more likely to be stolen. So white is more likely to be stolen. Okay, morons. White cars are 10% less likely to get in an accident, you idiots, because they're white and they're easier to see in, in like dusk and at night. You morons. That's a simple one. If it was a black car, of course, it's going to get more in an accident. And wait a second. Think about this one, Nick, these smarty pants. Who would steal an orange or a yellow car? You're not exactly going to blend like driving downtown in, a, in an orange Maserati. <laughs> Never mind. Who would buy an orange or yellow car? <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, the reason why not too many white cars are in accidents is because they are stolen. No one's driving them. Exactly. <laughs> That's what's going on. <laughs> well, they're not reported. <laughs> no, not exactly. Uh, I, I read somewhere that, you know, that uh, 25% of accidents happen near someone's home. The solution? Move. You're well, listening to we'll live in an RV. Uh, you're listening to <laughs> totally useless information with Nick and Roy. Today's history. What happens tomorrow is history. Yeah. My son went to Oxford, and I say that a lot because hell, my son went to Oxford. <laughs> no. Was he driving a white car? No, it's true. I have the T-shirt. It says Oxford Law School. Oh, okay. <laughs> Cost uh, 22, yeah. 23 pounds. Okay, but it is true. He did go to Oxford. Yeah. But did you know, and I got the bill to prove it, but did you know that the university is older than the Aztec Empire? Get ready for this one. This I didn't know, and this was a history thing that most people are going to get your pencils ready. Write this down. Oxford opened its doors in 1096. Wow. That's crazy. The Aztec Empire was founded some 200 and some odd years later in 1325. Okay. Then the Aztecs no longer existed. And Oxford was still charging way too much for tuition. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. This is how they got. Uh, there was a trick question on the final exam. Name the people who lived in the Aztecs. <laughs> what? <laughs> so we all know and love, you know, the beloved nursery rhyme. Mary had a little lamb. Remember that? Mary had a little lamb. Remember that? Yes. Fleece was white as snow. It was. And everywhere uh, that Mary went. Yeah. Doom and famine would always go. <laughs> well, there really was a Mary, and there really was a little lamb. She did have a little lamb. The nursery rhyme was probably assumed was fiction, which we all thought, but it was a real person, Mary Sawyer. She was an 11-year-old girl in Boston who was followed to school one day in 1817 by her pet lamb. In the late 1860s, she helped raise money for an old church by selling pieces of wool from the famous lamb. Let me let me say that again. She was selling pieces of wool from the famous lamb, not pieces of the lamb. But let me get this straight. She would walk to school with the lamb. The, the lamb followed her to school. 
So people that would say to her, hey, little girl, you lost? And the lamb would say, nah. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Fleeced again. Nick and Roy will continue with totally useless information. Totally useless information with Nick and Roy continues. Listen, laugh, and learn. At the end of World War II, street parties broke out all over the world. Everybody was excited. In fact, Russia was no exception. But the Russian party only lasted 22 hours because that's how long it took for the entire country to run out of vodka. Wow. 22 hours. The party stopped. They were like, where's the vodka? We have no more vodka. Kill him. (laughs) So on the show, Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. I'm Nick and he's Roy. We do not discuss what the facts are going to be. Oh, no, you had that? We email each other and say we're going to talk about, in this case today, cars and history and so on. Uh, Russia ran out of vodka. This is the fact that I have. Russia ran out of vodka as World War II was ending. So we have the exact same fact. Doesn't happen often, which means... Oh, my God. You know how you have they... tablecloths? No, I don't have tablecloths. I, mean, I do oh, at home, okay. but not the fact about tablecloths. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. But there you go. So anyway, in case you missed it, Russia ran out of vodka. And how long did it take? How long was the party? It actually took 22 hours. It took less than one full day. Russia was depleted of every drop of vodka in the entire what? country. What took them so long? Slack. Which made for uh, the new drink called the tonic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. Give me your next one then. The the shy one. Well, I'm not shy at all. The swearing pet bird. Andrew Jackson's funeral happened in 1845. His pet parrot, Paul, or Paul. <laughs> pet parrot, Paul, but go ahead. Yes. His pet parrot, Paul, <laughs> was particularly preposterous. Had to be removed from the funeral services because it was swearing. What? Paul was brought to the funeral because he was a close companion of, of Jackson. How close, we're not quite sure, but we'll leave it at that. Apparently, yeah. Unfortunately, the bird had to be removed from the funeral service because when he started to swear and yelling profanities, which yeah. he learned Could you imagine? From... Could you imagine the priest saying, he was a wonderful man. It was a rap bastard. <laughs> it was a f***ing <laughs> asshole. <laughs> he turns around and we should all bow our heads now. Go to hell. Well, according to historians, um, the pet bird with the swearing, he most likely learned that language from Jackson himself. Oh, well, what do we think? We think because he was the president that he had had some sort of dignified. That all went out the door with Trump. (laughs) (laughs) And I say that and I say that in a proud way. Very proud. I really do. He was the first president I think I ever really looked at and said, I believe this guy because nobody else would say that crap. (laughs) (laughs) I did. I really believe them. You know how we wear designer names and drive around in fancy cars and we we build big homes to display our wealth? Mm -hmm. Well, in the 18th century in England, they did it too. Except... They did it with pineapples. Oh. Yes. Pineapples were a major status symbol 
simple. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, it's so simple you can't you can't even pronounce it. Pineapples were a major status symbol. In fact, people who could afford one would walk around town with it. They would hold it, put it on their heads, walk around, show people, hey, look at me and my pineapple. You know, so this was actually done. People walked around with pineapples to display their wealth in England in the 18th century. Very good. Excellent. With the yep. pineapples. Yeah, I heard that. If you're going to somebody's house, it's a thing to bring them. So Sure, a pineapple is a just, uh, thing of good luck or whatever, but it's also for good wealth. But if you bump into somebody with a coconut, maybe a sailor with some rum, hey, pina colada. <laughs> I call this next one, holy crap. In 1618, some Catholics and Protestants settled religious disputes in Prague when a Protestant threw a Catholic out of a third-story window. Mm. Yeah, that always helps. The, the Catholic claimed that the hand of God saved him, while the Protestants claimed that God mocked them because they survived by letting them fall into a carriage of horse crap. Oh, my God. The Protestant was probably like, grab the Catholic. They have forgiveness, so I'll throw him out the window. That's right. They broke their fall by going into a carriage of horse crap. It started a large war, believe it or not. Oh, that's a lot of crap. All right. Tablecloths yeah, were yeah. not invented to protect the table. Think about it. Why do you put a tablecloth on? Well, it could be many reasons. It could be to protect the table from mm -hmm. getting messy. It could be to look good like a party. You know, you put a tablecloth on because it looks pretty. Yeah. No, and yeah. oh. they were not invented for that. In fact, they were invented to make it easy to make one large communal napkin. Oh. The original tablecloths were placed on the table and they were left f over the edge of the table so that the people sitting there could then pick it up, wipe their hands and their faces on it while they slobbered themselves full of food. How disgusting is that? When you think about it, it's pretty good. We take the napkin, wipe our face, and then put it back in our laps, which is kind of stupid. If we could hang it from the table, it'd be even better. Yeah. And that's, of course, you're a Catholic and got thrown into a, you know, a pile of horse crap, then you could wipe yourself off. Let me tell you, I'm next restaurant I'm going to, I'm wiping my face and my hands and everything on the table. <laughs> You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy, and like we say, we are making it really easy for you to contact us. Go to our website, nickandroy.com, and click on Contact Us and send us an email. What's in the mailbag? What's in the mail? Richard from Addison, Alabama, wrote in, and we want to thank you, everybody. Thank everybody for listening. All across North America, all across the globe, actually, over 55 countries they were now in. So believe it or not, more and more people are listening or turning to us for totally useless information than any other source. So thank you very much. So Richard from Madison, Alabama, we love listening to your show, he writes. We enjoy the guests that you have on, and I learn a lot. My question to you guys is this. Why do, his name is Richard, why do people call me Dick when my name is Richard? Okay, where do I, <laughs> where, where do I start? Um, oh, no, I'm sorry, where did that start? I'm thinking, where do, where do I start, Richard? Anyway, first of all, thank you, really, sincerely. Thank you for the email. In the days of writing, this is, this is the history of why some people call Richard Wait a second, Dick. did Dick, Dick sent that in? He did. Richard did. Dick wrote this? He did. But he wants oh. to know why people call him Dick. Hey, if, Dick. Right. Hey, Dick. 
Richard, in the days of writing everything by hand, Rick and Rich emerge as common nicknames for Richard. And apparently, people also used to like to come up with nicknames that rhyme. Mm. So this gave rise to nicknames like Dick and Hick around the early 13th century. But unlike Hick, Dick continues to stick around. Depends on who it is, I guess. Of course, Dick isn't the only nickname to emerge from similar rhyme-based progression. For example, have you ever wondered why people named Robert are often called Bob? Robert, shortened, is Rob, turns to Bob. William, shortened, becomes Will, becomes Bill. Mm -hmm. So there you go, Richard the Dick. Thank you. No, not the... (laughs) Richard the Dick and Bob the Knob. Sorry, Dick. Uh, Sorry, Richard. That's right, Richard. Ricky. Uh, all of you, whatever you call, whatever you call your, yourselves, give, send us an email at nickandroy.com. What's in the mail? <laughs> and now, for something completely useless. This is the most useless fact. Before the invention of the alarm clock, there actually were people, get ready to write this down, called knocker uppers. What? Yes, for real. They were called knocker uppers. And what they would do is they would come to your house at a time that you told them to get me up at seven o'clock. So at seven o'clock, they would be rapping on the door. Bang, 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 bang. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. <laughs> And when you came down and answered the door, preferably with a shotgun, it was probably a tough job, knocker-uppers. <laughs> <laughs> and if you answered the door, it was preferred that you had pajamas on of some sort. Yeah, at least pants. But I, <laughs> I actually, this is the true, true story. They were called knocker-uppers, and they would wake you up. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Nick and Roy will continue with Totally Useless Information. To access the full library of episodes, visit nickandroy.com. That's nickandroy.com. We're back with Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Listen, laugh, and learn. Throw away your totally useless GPS. It's time for geography. So get lost with Nick and Roy. Yes, the sentiment of many people who email us at nickandroy.com. Get lost. We've been told that throughout high school. <laughs> yes. And, four, <laughs> and 40 years later, that message is still. Did you just slurp? Did you just slurp on No, the wait air? a second. I th- I'm having a cup of coffee. It's so delicious. Oh. I, actually, I believe that we. We were not told to get lost. We were lost. Yes. And still are. <laughs> so they told us to get lost. We just listened to what we were told. That's all. Um, how about South America? It is a continent of many natural superlatives. The longest mountain range, the Andes. The highest waterfalls, the Angel Falls. And the driest place on earth, the Atacama Desert in Chile. Good old South America. The earth, as we have said, is not round. It bulges in the middle. So even though Mount Everest is taller than Mount Chitsuborazu in Ecuador, the Mount Chitsuborazu in Ecuador is closer to the moon than Everest. 
See, it's not taller, but kind of think of it like we had said before, my belly. Mm-hmm. My belly would actually bump into things before any other part of my body. Well, well, maybe not any other part of my body, but right. my belly would bump into things. So Mount Chitsu Chimborazo yeah. is actually yeah. taller than Everest because of the bulge of the earth. Yeah, and don't forget about gravity, too. Never mind bulging. How about gravity? As you get older. Oh, yeah. So here's a real quick one. This is so quick, you have to really pay attention. So turn up the volume on your device. I'll wait for a moment. Turn up the volume a little bit more. When in Rome is my topic here in geography. Other than Antarctica, every other continent in the world has a city named Rome. Every continent. Other than Antarctica. That's right. So, so don't roam to Antarctica, you'll get lost. So if you're roaming in Antarctica, you'll be lost because you'll you'll never find Rome there when in Rome. Well, if you're roaming Rome. in Antarctica, I hate those roaming charges. Okay, Iceland. <laughs> Iceland is growing at five centimeters per year, okay? It is divided by North America and the European tectonic plates, so the plates shift five centimeters every year. Yes, Iceland is literally separating five centimeters because it sits between the North American and the European tectonic plates, right in between. Are we there yet? The second longest geographical name that is accepted in the world is T-A-U-M-A-T-A-W-H-A-K-A-T, on and on and on it goes, 85 letters. Okay, the longest geographical name has 85 letters, which is a hill in New Zealand. It is a Maori phrase, which translates to, quote, place where Tamatea, the man with big knees who slid, climbed and swallowed mountains, knew his land to play with his flute to his loved one. Yeah. You got to watch when you're playing with your flute. San Andre- <laughs> the San Andreas Fault is consuming two inches of land every year. At this rate, Los Angeles will be neighbors with San Francisco in a few million years. We asked about the San Andreas Fault, and Joe Biden said, no, it's Trump's fault. (laughs) (laughs) The political views on this program are not necessarily those of everyone else on the show. Oh, they gave it, listen, they gave it to Trump for four years. Biden's getting it for four years. Four more years. years. Four more years. (laughs) Hot and cold, the White Sea in Russia has the lowest temperature, which is minus two degrees centigrade. The Persian Gulf is the warmest sea. In the summer, its temperature reaches 35.6 degrees centigrade, which is roughly nine in the mid-90s Fahrenheit, in case those of you who can't figure out the calculation because you went to a New York City public school. 35 and a half degrees centigrade, which is about ni- the mid-90s. When people listen to the show, they should have a pen and paper because we go pretty quick and we dole out like close to eight uh, facts per category. Right. And so it's hard to keep up with us. But if you have a pen and paper, you can. Ready? This is one that you're going to want to write down. Sudan has more ancient pyramids than Egypt. Egypt has 138 pyramids. Well, that's a lot of pyramids, right? 
No. Sudan touts over 255, and that's known pyramids, while Madonna in the 1980s sported two pyramids that most women call breasts. <laughs> Remember the video? <laughs> yeah, from the mid-80s. For those With of the you... pointy bra that you... Yeah, yeah, those, those, yeah, those things were weapons. <laughs> You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Where do expressions come from? We want to know right now. Well, first off, folks, thanks a lot for everybody making our website almost crash this week. We had so many people going on it and leaving us messages and so on. Thank you so much. www.nickandroy.com. Real easy to remember. So let's do an expression. Let your hair down. What? The French. Ooh, the French. (laughs) The French nobility risked condemnation from their peers if they appeared in public without their hair done up in those amazing, what they even call like French braids and so on. And they were like French braided updos. They took hours and hours and hours to do so when the ladies got home they took their hair down and they were so comfortable but they had to hide indoors and not be seen but that was called letting your hair down and it stuck yeah being follically challenged i don't let my hair down my hair let me down (laughs) (laughs) so what is dog fooding dog fooding allows employees to test their company's products in real life it gives management a sense of how the product might be used all before launch to consumers. In 1980, Apple computer president Michael Scott wrote a memo announcing, effective immediately, no more typewriters are to be purchased or used. We believe the typewriter is obsolete. Let's prove it on the inside before we try and convince our customers on the outside. Dog fooding. Wow. I thought it was just something that my wife cooked for dinner. Oh, no, no. <laughs> You're going to get yourself thrown out on your butt. She's so used to it. Well, she can put me in the dog house now. (laughs) Serving the dog food, yes. She'll say, close but no cigar. (laughs) Close Ah. but no cigar. What a great expression. Carnivals would give cigars as prizes for winning. But if you lost, you didn't get a cigar. So it was close, but no, no cigar, cigar for you. <laughs> so close, but no cigar. cigar. Write that one down. <laughs> write it down. Okay, we hope you can write really fast. You know that feeling, the sudden tightening of your calf or thigh where it just won't stop, that pain. So what does a muscle cramp have to do with a horse named Charlie? The Charlie horse is the expression. It began as a baseball slang around the late 1800s. There was a pitcher whose name was Charlie Old Hoss Radburn who suffered from the tightening of the calf. It may also be from somebody's long-forgotten lame racehorse that hobbled as a result of pulling heavy loads as witnessed by baseball player Joe Quest. According to Quest, the ball players troubled with the ailment hobbled exactly as did the old horse. And so Quest dubbed it a Charlie horse. Charlie the horse. Oh, my God. See, folks, that's a cool one. Three sheets to the wind. Three what? (laughs) Oh, three sheets to the wind. Sorry, I misunderstood. Yeah, you you misunderstood me. Yeah. (laughs) Three sheets to the wind. What Nick is most of the time. (laughs) It means that you're very drunk or... 
Nick. <laughs> sailors would get drunk and forget to tie the ropes to the sails. The sails were also called sheets because, of course, they're white cotton. You know, they look like sheets. So yeah. they would forget to tie the ropes. But if you got really, really drunk, you'd forget to tie all the masts. And there were usually three masts on a ship. So you were three sheets to the wind because the wind just took the sheets and the boat didn't move and they didn't care because they were so hammered. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no sheet. No sheet, Sherlock. Nick and Roy will continue with totally useless information. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Listen, laugh, and learn. Innovation. Ideas. The Totally Useless Information Podcast presents Inventions. In 1876, a mustache shield was patented by Virgil Gates. The invention was designed to keep facial hair out of the way when eating or drinking. 1876. Mustache shield. Joseph Brahma, the man who invented the modern toilet, the one that we all know and love, the one that we all visit and definitely... Yes, okay, we understand what it is. You don't have to explain it. Joseph Brahma, the man who invented the modern toilet, also invented something else. What was it? Believe it or not, it was the draft beer tap. This guy, Joseph Brahma, invented the modern toilet bowl. He also invented the beer tap system that you see today. We pull the, the lever down and get yourself a nice beer with a perfect head on it. Yeah. Now think about this. You said that necessity is the mother of all invention, right? Well, think about this one. What did he invent first? I'm sure he invented the beer tap first because he drank so much beer he had to take a piss. He needed a toilet bowl. <laughs> That's right. You don't buy your beer. You rent it. Right. And excuse the word piss. I should have said urinate. So please scratch the word piss and put in the right. word urinate. Go on, Nick. <laughs> um, the intermittent windshield wiper. What a great invention, wasn't it? Yes. Right? Because, you know, before the intermittent windshield wiper was invented, you either had a regular speed or fast speed or off, right? Those are the only speeds. But the inventor of the intermittent windshield wiper was Robert Kearns. He came up with the game-changing idea after a wedding night mishap, hmm. a champagne cork flew straight into his left eye, leaving him with irregular blinking patterns. And okay. so because of his irregular blinking, that's how he came up with the idea of the intermittent windshield wiper. Kearns later went blind and suffered from a mental breakdown after years in court, battling Ford and other automakers, accusing them of pilfering his revolutionary design. There's a movie about that. That's right. It was called Flash of Genius, and Kearns was portrayed by Greg Kinnear. It was in 2008, that film, Flash of Sorry. Genius. Whoa, Mr. Kearns, you've heard of the whoopee cushion, but you didn't know. Excuse me. Not only have I heard of the whoopee cushion, I have heard <laughs> Okay, so the whoopee cushion, we all know of the whoopee cushion. We all know that it makes the farting noises. What most people didn't know was that it was invented by a 14-year-old Roman emperor. Really? Yes. He invents the whoopee cushion, and he loves it. And when he invites dignitaries over and people over of high you know, society, 
He loves to put the whoopee cushions under their chairs. And he laughs for hours at his guests' dismay when they fart. Okay, and he goes, ha ha, he points at that. Ah! He's 14, okay? He finds this funny. Hell, I'm 50-something, and I find it funny. <laughs> but here's the problem. Yeah. He, he laughed at them for hours. People probably hated this little bastard to the point where, at the age of 18, they assassinated him. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, they stabbed him like 30 times. And right before he died, he said, why? And they went. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. <laughs> yeah. The 15-year-old was um, buried in a whoopee cushion. He was buried um, right yeah. next to his farter. <laughs> <laughs> the invention. We're in inventions. Yes. The revolver camera. Ah. Is it was a Colt 38 small camera that automatically takes a picture when you pull the trigger. Yeah, that's great. Right. So though the revolver's camera history is pretty blurry, that it couldn't get it to focus. <laughs> pretty blurry. <laughs> Records indicate this contraption was created and photographed in 1938 in New York. So uh, the device itself is a very tiny camera attached to both. The underside of the barrel and the and front of the trigger guard of the Colt 38 special revolver. The camera was somehow configured so that each time you you pulled the trigger, a photo was snapped simultaneously. Maybe that's where they came were up with the expression "I went to shoot some photos." Peter M. Roberts, old Peter Roberts, as a teen, invented the quick release ratchet. Now mine were about a lot of young people, which is pretty cool. He invented the quick-release ratchet. Before that, you had to pull the ratchet heads off, and this you hit the button, and it would come right off. Well, yes. he brought it to Sears, who had craftsman tools at the time. He said, what do you think about this idea? And they said, ah, it's worthless, but we'll buy it for you from you for $10,000. And he says, okay. And he sells it to him for $10,000. Well, at last... At last uh, check, they made well over $44 million just on the design itself. Wow. So here's a little bit of advice to you, Peter Roberts. Number one, you need representation. Number two, your parents aren't too smart either. But number three, when somebody says to you, what you're holding is worthless, but I'll give you $10,000, you know you're getting screwed. <laughs> And now, from around the corner and around the world, this is TUI News. No, no pants subway ride. The organizers of the No Pants Subway Ride, an annual January event held on public transport in more than a dozen cities worldwide, announced that the 2021 No Pants Subway Ride has been canceled. Improv Everywhere, the performance art group that has organized the No Pants Subway Ride since 2002 in New York City, said this year's Sands Pants Public Transit Trek has been canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Due to COVID-19, they write, mm -hmm. we are canceling the annual No Pants Subway Ride this year. We look forward to hosting more large-scale events once it is safe to do so. What they think, Nick, that uh, the mask was too much clothing? <laughs> yeah, no pants, but... <laughs> All they had to do was put, put one mask on their face and then one mask on one leg, uh, the strap on one leg, the strap on the other, and wear two masks. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Wasn't 2020 a wonderful year? I did the no pants. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know what? You're absolutely right. You're abs- even though it, it happened in the, yeah. the previous cities like New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, Boston, and others, you're absolutely right. Everyone experienced no pants Zoom meetings. Yeah, and they do it in the winter time, which I still have hemorrhoids from. Those bus seats are cold. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank goodness you didn't have Ring of Fire hemorrhoid cream. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's better to sit, though, because when you're standing in front of women hanging on to a pole, and they're hanging on to a pole, there's a problem. <laughs> oh, huge problem. Anyway, here's another problem. We are out of time. Thank you for joining us. We will scour the Internet and gather more useless information for you next time. So in the meantime, visit our website for the full library. We actually have 60-something shows. You can listen to them at your leisure. And I say the word leisure because... Because it sounds cool. Our full library is on nickandroy.com. And also, tell a friend. Tell people. Listen to this show. Because we are now all over the world in 56 countries around the world. And we want to thank you, our listeners, for making this show so successful. Again, thank you so much, nickandroy.com. And also, tell a friend about the trend. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy is a production of NickAndRoy.com. Visit NickAndRoy.com to access the full library of episodes or wherever you get your podcasts.